0: So bright, start to look the same. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Wolf Den. I'm your host, Tom Wolf, and we're here to howl about sports. Today, we're howling about the NBA trade deadline and all the moves that happened in the last couple of days. We're going to break down each of the moves and give grades to the teams. Uh, it was not as exciting a deadline as we've seen in years past, but we'll get into all of that in just a few moments. Be sure to follow the Wolf Den on Facebook and Twitter. Check out our website, wolfden.com, and you can follow the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TunedIn, and Stitcher. The music for today's show is brought to us by freemusicarchive.org. This is a great reference for any multimedia presentation or project that you have. They ask that you give a short shout-out or mention for your presentation and you can use the music completely royalty free it's really great so today's music comes to us from the artist barefoot mccoy with the song already flown so let's jump right into the moves that happened Uh, as i said it was not the most exciting but there were some big moves there were certainly some head scratcher moves and i'm going to tell you which moves were good and which ones were just absolutely insane and made no sense I guess the best way to go about this is in chronological order. So there were a couple of moves that happened a few days before the deadline, and then there were a few moves on the day of the deadline. Usually you see a lot of activity at the deadline. This year's deadline, there were just a couple moves. There was only one really big move that, that kind of moved the needle. The rest were just sort of roster moves and getting under the cap, so nothing really too profound. We'll start with the move on... February 12th, which was Mason Plumlee traded from the Blazers to the Nuggets. In exchange, the Blazers get Joseph Nurkic and a first-round pick. And I really like this move for the Trail Blazers. So the Nuggets, they have been making a push towards the playoffs this year. They've got a lot of young assets who are looking really good. Uh, Jamal Murray in particular is... He's a rookie. He's having kind of a shaky year, but he's starting to find his form as a shooter. And we're seeing that he is very good for them. Jameer Nelson, as their point guard, somehow is still in the league and is still a steadying presence. He's that veteran presence that's helping the young guys get going. The issue with the Nuggets that they had is they had two big guys who played very similarly in Nikola Josek. And Joseph Nurkic. So if you can pronounce those names better than I can, more power to you. Both of those players were probably their two best players. And they're two big men who play very similar positions. The NBA is becoming more about uh, pace and space. It's becoming more about three-point shooting. And if you don't have guys who can shoot from the perimeter, then that's going to be an issue. And it's going to be tough to play multiple players at that position so nowadays you're seeing multiple shooters on the wing and maybe at most one sort of uh traditional center who's a who's a defensive anchor the nuggets had two and they were their two best players so if one of them is able to be a good three-point shooter i guess you could you could make the case for keeping them both but as it was it was kind of like well there's two players in the front court here who play similar roles, and it doesn't really make sense to keep both of them long-term. So they ended up trading Nurkic because they like Jokic better, and I can't blame them. I think Jokic grades as a better prospect. He's a, he's younger, he's more athletic, and I really like what he's able to do. But That being said, Nurkic is a pretty good player. So they traded with the Trailblazers, who... Made it to the second round of the playoffs last year. We're really excited about the young core that they had with Plumlee, with McCollum, with Damian Lillard, but they just have not been doing well uh, this year. I believe they're one of the worst defenses in the NBA, if not the worst. And grabbing Nurchitz for the Blazers definitely helps because they get that defensive anchor, they get that big man who can kind of help them in the middle, and Plumley, he's a versatile player. Uh, I really enjoy what he can do, but his ceiling's pretty limited. He's good at making the, the extra pass. For a big man, he's good at filling the lanes correctly, but he's never been known as a real offensive threat. He kind of just does the little things. He's a good fifth starter, but he's never going to be your star. So Nurkic comes in, is able to provide good defense for the Blazers, who sorely need it. And Plumley, I think, fits in better for what the Nuggets are trying to do. Just kind of a good veteran player at this point. So I think that he's going to kind of help them push for the playoffs this year. They're currently in the eighth seed or close to it. And I know for that young team who haven't been in the playoffs for a long time, getting into the playoffs, getting some getting some reps for those young guys would definitely be good. So I like this deal for both teams. I really like this move for the Blazers because they get a defensive center who will sorely help them in their defense and they also get a first round pick for the deal so i think that it was a good move for them i also think it was fine for the nuggets plumley is fine he's he's not going to be anything more than a role player but i think that he can fill a good role as the fourth or fifth guy on that team make some good heads up passes smart basketball iq i think that it's solid for both teams next trade that happened was february 14th valentine's day and on this trade The Raptors traded Terrence Ross and a first-round pick to the Magic, who traded Serge Ibaka. Now, in a vacuum, this is a fine move because Ibaka was brought in to be more of the guy for the Magic to kind of help them get into the playoffs, be that veteran winning presence. But the Magic have had a really rough season so far, and Ibaka's on the last year of his contract. He's probably not going to re-sign with them, so I think they did pretty good in getting a first-round pick. And Terrence Ross is, you know, he's an okay guy. He's never going to be the star, but he kind of plays the two or the three, and they've got a pretty crowded backcourt there with Lowry and DeRozan in Toronto, so it made sense to get rid of Ross. However, what I just said was that the move is good in a vacuum, but as we know... Nothing happens in a vacuum, and what led the Magic to get Ibaka in the first place was they gave up a ton. They gave up their first-round pick last year. They gave up Victor Oladipo, who's a promising young player, and they ended up with Serge Ibaka, who is not bad, but they were asking him to do a lot, and he's just not that guy to be your first or second or maybe even third option. And I think that it makes a lot of sense that they, they traded him when they did to get value, so that was good. But considering what they gave up, it just shows you the Magic really have no idea what direction they want to take this franchise. They've got a lot of players who can't shoot. Their point guard, Alfred Payton, can't shoot. Evan Fournier, he's a solid player, but he's been hurt. He's never made it through a full season. I mean, the Magic are just a mess right now. So to get anything for Ibaka, I think, is a fine move instead of letting him walk in free agency at the end of the year. So, you know, for the Magic, I would give it like... Without context, I would say it's probably a B because you get an asset for your player. But when you think about what it took to get Ibaka and how much they gave up for Ibaka, it looks really bad and it shows you that the Magic are completely clueless as to what they're going to be doing. And a first round pick is nice, but the Raptors are one of the best teams in the NBA. So they're not going to be picking till the late 20s. So you get what you can get, I guess. The Raptors, I really like this move. I think, as I said before, Ibaka... Is more natural as maybe the third or the fourth option, and their stars on that team are Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. They're all in to maximize their players' primes right now. They think that this team has a good shot to make some noise in the playoffs, and I think that it was an aggressive move that makes a lot of sense to try to make up some ground in the east. They've been faltering as of late. They've been the second or third best team in the east the last year, but now they're they're in the fourth seed right now and they kind of need to right the ship. So, I think that abaca is he's a big man who helps them and they've needed some help in the front court. So, I think that it's a great move for the Raptors and I think it puts them in a good position for the playoffs. You certainly hope that you're able to re-sign him, I guess, at the end of the year. But you can clearly see that the Raptors want to win now, and so they're going to be aggressive. And they're not really giving up that much. Terrence Ross is a fine player, but he's never going to be anything special. And their first-round pick, as I said, is not going to be too high. So you see what they're trying to do, and I like it. And they want to maximize what they're getting out of their stars in Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, who are playing phenomenal. So you add a good player, and you make a push for the playoffs. So good job to the Raptors. Next up, we have February 19th, which is the big trade, the big trade, the crazy trade that happened, which was DeMarcus Cousins going to the Pelicans. Oh my gosh, where to start with this? First of all, let's see who the Pelicans get. The Pelicans get DeMarcus Cousins, who's one of the best centers in the NBA, without a doubt. He is has played phenomenal for all seven years that he's been in the league, and they also get Omri Caspi, who's... An okay bench player, kind of a kind of a wing player who's able to shoot space the floor a little bit. So you think for a star player like Cousins, the Pelicans are going to give up a lot to the Kings, right? Wrong. The Kings must have took the first offer that came to them. And in fact, there have been reports that said this was the first time that their owner agreed to sign off on a trade for Cousins. So they jumped at it. And oh my gosh, it's, 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 it's atrocious. The Kings get buddy Healed. They get Tyreek Evans, they get Langston Galloway, and a first-round pick. at That's top three protected and a second-round pick. So you're telling me for one of the, the three best centers in the NBA, you're going to get an older rookie who has not shown a lot this year. You're going to get Tyreek Evans, who you drafted and has been on numerous teams in his career. You're going to get Langston Galloway, who has not done much for the Pelicans this year at all, and a draft pick, and it's just like... What are the Kings thinking taking this deal? You got to hold on to DeMarcus Cousins if you can't get a good deal, but I think that they're kind of divided on Cousins because he's had maturity issues throughout his time. He's been very frustrated and very vocal about the fact that the Kings don't have direction. He has the most technical fouls in the NBA with 16 this season, so clearly he's a hot head you can get under his skin, and he's shown a lot of maturity issues, and he sometimes is not the leader that he needs to be so I think some people are not thrilled what they see in Cousins they think he should have matured more in his years in the NBA but he's having a great season like he has every year he's I think he's been an all-star for almost his entire career he was this year and he's putting up great numbers again so it's the talent versus the mentality and I guess guess maturity issues one out but holy crap this is just awful for the kings kings have no clue what they're doing they're easily the worst front office in the nba the pelicans they get an excellent player to pair with anthony davis but this doesn't really help them too much overall because the rest of their roster is still not very good here are the players of note on the pelicans you got drew holiday who's having a great year You have Anthony Davis, of course, who's a great young big man in the NBA. He's still only 23 years old, which is insane. They have Tim Frazier, who's been solid for them off the bench. That's about it, though. They really don't have a whole lot. They're chasing that eighth seed in the playoffs, and it's clearly a win-now move for them because they want to be able to hold on to Anthony Davis. They really have not done a good job of surrounding this great young player with talent to go along with him, and you certainly... Don't want to be in a position where he gets frustrated and wants to leave at the end of his contract. So Cousins, I think, is a great player because he's very talented, and the two of them will prepare very well. They're two of the most skilled big men in the NBA in that they're both playmakers. They're good at passing. They're good at shooting. They're good at, at dribbling. They're good at handling the ball. So I think that the two of them together in that 4-5 position really makes a lot of sense. But Until they get a better roster, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think that from a talent perspective, this team goes up. But at best, I see them as a seventh seed. I think they're going to be fighting for the eighth seed for the rest of the year. So it's a good move, but it's it's not enough. But definitely a good start for them, for sure. And this was an absolute robbery by the Pelicans. They gave up nothing and got a phenomenal player. So I give them an A for sure. I give the Kings a D on their move because it was so bad. Uh, The next thing that happened was Lou Williams traded from the Lakers to the Rockets. I think this is a great move for both teams again. Lou Williams is a guy who's able to create his own shot. He's a guy who is not afraid to shoot the ball and has shown to be having a very successful season for the Lakers off the bench. But he doesn't fit into them long term. So the Lakers get back Corey Brewer and they get a first round draft pick. And I'm fine with the move because they probably weren't going to hold on to Lou Williams after this year anyways. The Rockets, again, are a team that's pushing for the playoffs. And I think that they might have the best offense in the league outside of Golden State now because Lou Williams is a great shooter. Pair him with James Harden. You pair him with... Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, and I think that that's a really deadly combination. I read a tweet somewhere that said the Rockets may not score under 120 points for the rest of the season. So I think it was a fine move for both teams. You see that the Lakers they started off the year strong, but they are falling back. They're now one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they get it. They get a first round pick for this guy. So I think I like I like the move for both teams. We go to the day before the deadline. We have. Ursan Ilyasova traded from the Sixers to the Hawks. The Hawks get Ursan's Ilyasova, and they give up Tiago Splitter, a second-round pick, and a pick swap in the second round. Not really sure on this move. I think that it goes along with the idea that the Sixers want to get as many picks as possible. is a player who can stretch the floor. He's certainly seen better days in his career, but he's still a productive player, so... It was a small move by the Hawks to kind of get better. They've been in that 5-6 range of the playoffs, and I think that he's going to help them off the bench, backing up Paul Millsap. So I think it's a good move for the Hawks. They didn't really give up a whole lot. The Sixers, I really don't understand why they're taking this move. Splitter, he was not playing a whole lot in Atlanta, and they get a couple second-round picks, but... There's nothing I really... I don't really feel strongly one way or the other for either of these teams. I think it's a better move for the Hawks because they're able to get a productive player. And the Sixers get more draft picks. Whoop-dee-doo. They've got like 100 at this point. So like that's great. But they're second-round picks. So you can only go so far with them. But good for the Hawks and whatever for the Sixers. Next trade that happened that day was involving my team. It was the Brooklyn Nets traded Bojan Bogdanovich to the Wizards for Andrew Nicholson, Marcus Thornton, and a first-round pick. I think that this is a fine move for both teams. I think that the Nets, with the worst record in the league, they know that they don't really see much of a future with a lot of their guys. And at this point, they're just kind of trying to throw stuff onto the wall and see what sticks. They're just going with a lot of different players, seeing if any one of them can be productive. Um, Bogdanovich was probably their second-best player this year but he's a very streaky shooter. He's capable of creating his own shot. Defense leaves a lot to be desired. He's a little bit of a playmaker. The Nets were using him as like their second or third option, and I think he's much better suited as a six-man off-the-bench kind of role, which he definitely will be on the Wizards. The Wizards have climbed from out of nowhere to be one of the hottest teams in the NBA. They currently sit in third place with amazing play from... John Wall, of course, from Otto Porter, from Bradley Beal. Marcin Gortat, one of my absolute favorite players. The Polish Hammer, they call him. Love that guy. He's he's a nut. He just plays out of his mind, but I I really like him. So their starters have been good, but their bench has been very suspect. So I think Bogdanovich really helps them. He'll be good on second units. Um, if he does get to play with John Wall, I think you're going to see a lot of open threes for him, which, is of course, is great. He's a pretty good three point shooter, and you can see that they made this move because they like what he can do offensively. The Nets get a first round pick. That's really the big part of this deal. They get Marcus Thornton, who I think they're going to wave right away. They get Andrew Nicholson, who's. Uh, not really that good of a player, but you give him, you give him a try. You see if he can with extra minutes, if he can play better, but he has not been shooting well this year and he makes a lot of money, but it is what it is. Again, it's the the strategy of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. I like this move for the wizards. Cause I don't think that they're giving up a whole lot. I think it's good for them because their pick's going to be in the 20s and Nicholson is a big contract that they've been wanting to get rid of and they bring in a pretty good scorer off the bench. I also think it's good for the Nets. I'd probably give the Wizards an A- on this and the Nets probably a B. Um, I think good trade for both teams. Okay now we get to the trade deadline. So the first move that happened was by far the biggest, and it's probably the second most WTF trade of the whole trade deadline. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Talking about New Orleans Noel being traded from the Sixers to the Mavericks. And in exchange, the Mavericks give up Andrew Bogut, Justin Anderson, and a first-round pick protected 1-18. to What are the 76ers doing? I understand the fact that they had three players playing the same position, and I understand that Noel is a free agent at the end of the year, but you're giving him away for nothing. This is a guy who could be the next Tyson Chandler. He's 23 years old and a phenomenal athlete. He's He doesn't give you much on offense, but he is a great defensive player. With Joel Embiid and Jalil Okafor also on the team, I think it's tough for all three to find playing time together. But if you have to hold on to someone, I would say it would be Embiid first, because he's playing out of his mind this season, and then it would be Noel, and then it would be Okafor. And from all reports, I think that they were trying to trade Okafor, but nobody was taking him. And you can kind of understand why. I think that he plays a more outdated game that would have been suited better to the late 90s early 2000s it's a big man who kind of goes down on the low block bullies people in the post and the modern NBA just is not really about that anymore so Embiid is a very versatile player Noel is a player who is great on defense and Okafor is that throwback player I don't know. I mean, I I get that they got some value for him, but they really did not get a whole lot. Bogut is going to be waived right away. Justin Anderson, he could be a 3 and D wing someday. He's a young guy, but he's had a rough time in his second year. He has been very inconsistent shooting at this year. They get a first round draft pick, but the kicker is that it's lottery protected through the first 18 picks. So... That means the Sixers will get it if the Mavericks are not in the lottery, and they probably will be. So the Mavericks would have to make up a lot of ground to surrender this pick. So it turns into two second rounders: one this year and one next year. And what you're giving away for a great player, it I understand you have to you have to get what you can instead of letting them walk away for free, but it. Bad move by the Sixers. I think it's a great move for Dallas. They get a young guy who projects as a Tyson Chandler type. He's a defensive anchor for them for the for the foreseeable future. Hope that he resigns with them. And even if he doesn't, they didn't give up a whole lot. So great move by the Mavericks. I give it an A, and I would have to give this a D to the Sixers because I don't like it at all. Then the next big move that happened was... Doug McDermott and Todd Gibson traded from the Bulls to the Thunder, and they give up Cameron Payne, Anthony Morrow, and Joffrey Laverne. I don't even know who Joffrey Laverne is. Um, Cameron Payne had been the backup to Russell Westbrook, so you know he was not going to be seeing a lot of minutes. We're going to see if he's able to really play that point guard position well, backing up either Rondo or Michael Carter-Williams. And... It's jury's kind of out on him right now. Morrow was a sharpshooter, but he has really slumped the last couple of years and he just not has been able to find his shot. Maybe he rediscovers it in Chicago. The Thunder get a good shooter in Doug McDermott. He's a young guy who's able to shoot the three and play a little bit of defense. And they get Taj Gibson who's older, but has always been known as a hard worker. I never heard anyone say anything bad about Taj Gibson. He's a, he's a bully in the paint. He's a, great veteran player to have and I think that he will really help the Thunder a lot starting next to Stephen Adams. I think it's a great move for the Thunder. I think that they improved two areas that they needed to, which was outside shooting and defense and you get that in McDermott and Gibson. Um they don't really give up a whole lot. Cameron Payne is okay. Um I guess he's probably the best player that the Bulls are getting back, but I don't think that the Bulls really did enough to sort of assess where they want to go. If they want to try to make the playoffs or if they want to rebuild, I guess they're going to try to give Cameron Payne a chance at it and we'll see what happens. Good move by the Thunder. Questionable move by the Bulls. Then the last big trade that happened was just before the deadline at 3 o'clock. This was the Raptors getting P.J. Tucker in exchange for Jared Sullinger and two second round draft picks. I think that it's a great move for the Raptors. They get another versatile player who's able to play multiple positions and can shoot the ball very well. I think that they really bolstered their bench in a win-now move. Uh, Jared Sullinger really was not showing you much, and they were able to unload him in a couple second-round picks. Tucker's a fine player, but the Suns are really in full rebuild mode, and they just don't really have the roster to keep him at the moment. So I think that it's a good move for both sides. Again, it shows you that the Raptors really want to win this year, and I think they made some smart moves at the deadline. So I think that they did a, a lot of good things. And the Suns are still in rebuild mode and are going to try to make a push in the next couple of years. And they've got a good they've got a good future set up to do that. There are a couple smaller moves that happened. Mike Scott traded to the Suns for cash. Tyler Ennis traded to the Lakers for Marcelo Huertas. Roy Hibbert traded to the Denver Nuggets for a second-round draft pick. Neither of these moves really does a whole lot. Roy Hibbert is far from the player he once was. And then the last move that happened was KJ McDaniels traded to the Nets for a second-round draft pick, which doesn't really do a whole lot for either team. You're going to see if McDaniels can play, but he's, he's a young guy who has had promise, but he's been on, like, four teams in three years, so probably does not bode very well for the future for him. Those were all the moves of the trade deadline, I think that the Raptors were aggressive and made some nice moves. I think the Wizards made a lot of good decisions to push for that playoff spot, and I think that the Sixers made terrible decisions, and the Kings are just a joke of the NBA. Some moves that were rumored to happen but did not were Paul George or Jimmy Butler to either the Knicks or the Celtics, and it was kind of interesting that the Celtics, with their treasure trove of assets, stood pat. I think that they were trying to get Paul George, but he has said that he wants to be a Laker when his contract is over next season, so maybe that scared them off. I think that they had a lot of good things to offer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The The Celtics still have the Nets draft pick, which has a good chance of being the number one overall draft pick this upcoming season, so that certainly helps. I don't know. I, I'm kind of surprised that the Celtics didn't really make a move because they need someone to pair with Isaiah Thomas. Paul George is in his prime. He's playing great for a really bad team and you know that he wants to leave that team and that's one of the areas that the Celtics could use help is the wing. I think that they've got a pretty good foundation in having Isaiah Thomas as their point guard, but they've got a lot of very good but not great guys. So they're solid players. They definitely could have packaged them for Paul George, but maybe they didn't think that that was the case. So Jimmy Butler is kind of in a similar situation to DeMarcus Cousins was on the Kings. I think the front office is very divided on whether they want to keep him and sort of push for the playoffs or if they want to rebuild. I think a lot of people would say they probably need to rebuild. He's their best player and he definitely could have brought back a lot in picks or in young players, but you're going to hold on to him. I mean, he's, an, he's a great player, so it makes sense to hold on to him, but maybe they should have been sellers. I was kind of surprised that the Knicks didn't really make a move. Of course, there was the Carmelo Anthony Phil Jackson thing that a lot of people were wondering what was going to happen between the standoff. Carmelo held the leverage because he had a no trade clause. He was the, I believe he's the only player in the NBA who has a no trade clause. And Phil Jackson was just being really rude to him and saying, we don't want you and saying you're not a leader. And it's like, How are you going to say that to your best player? So there was thoughts that maybe Carmelo would be traded, but he would have to agree on that trade because of his no trade clause. There's thoughts that maybe you trade Derrick Rose for Ricky Rubio. I think that's a move that if I were the next front office, I would probably strongly consider. But maybe the logistics just didn't work out. There were definitely a lot of moves that could have happened but didn't, which made it Not the most exciting move, but I think you see teams are now positioned to make a run at the playoffs. Surprising that the Celtics stood pat, that they are confident in their guys, and it's tough to blame them. They're second in the East, and Isaiah Thomas is playing out of his mind. He would probably be an MVP candidate if it weren't for Westbrook and Harden in the West. The Wizards made a move to get Bogdanovich. They're in win-now mode, and I think that it's a good move. He plays a very similar position to Otto Porter, and they're both restricted free agents. But I think that you can re-sign Bogdanovich for cheaper this offseason. I think it might be harder to match on Otto Porter. So if that's the case and they're, they're okay with letting one go, they might be okay to re-sign one of them, which I think is good. The Raptors, I really like the moves they made. I think Ibaka slides in very nicely at the four for them. I think Tucker is a great guard to have off the bench. They've kind of been in a funk lately, and I think that this will help them to try to make a push for the playoffs. Then in the West, you see the Lakers are rebuilding. I think they got some young players. They got a draft pick out of the deal. That is really good. The Mavericks are going to make a playoff push now with Noel, which I think, is again, is a great move for them. The Pelicans... Add one of the best players in the NBA and DeMarcus Cousins, so they'll definitely heavily be involved in the playoffs. Um, The Nuggets made a good move. The Thunder made a good move. So it was... We've had more exciting trade deadlines between the Cousins trade and the Noel trade. Those were two just WTF moves that you said, what are these two teams doing? So that was kind of entertaining. No superstar was traded. One of the things is that because the Cavaliers and the Warriors are such good teams, you didn't see other teams be as aggressive as the, at the deadline as they could have been. Because they probably know the Warriors are most likely going to be competing for the finals. The Cavs are most likely going to be competing for the finals. And you don't want to bet the farm on a player this year who's going to walk soon when you can keep building assets. And as the Warriors and the Cavs start to decline in a couple years then you're in a position with your young guys to take the next step. So it was definitely lots of mind games, definitely a lot of strategy going on. It's going to be a very exciting end to the season, especially in the east of who's at there in the two, the three, the four spot. So it's going to be fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to me tonight. I've really enjoyed breaking down the trade deadline with you. And from all of us at the Wolf Den, I'm your host, Tom Wolf. Keep howling away. The air on the road No place left for me to roam